It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today we are broadcasting at the IH. SAA Student Leadership Conference in front of this beautiful live studio audience. All right, that is fantastic. Thank you for the warm welcome. We are here at this uh, conference, one of the largest in America, to talk about student leadership and getting involved in philanthropy and community service and service projects. So we're going to go around the room, and if you have uh, something to brag about, some of your student leadership back in your home school, raise your hand and uh, come on the show and brag to America about your student leadership. All right, our first guest is... Joel Alcafor from Richmond. From Richmond, fantastic. And, uh, you know, just simple definition, what does student leadership mean to you? Uh, good sportsmanship and, you know, caring for your teammates and not just your teammate, but, you know, people who watch around you and stuff. Caring for your teammates. It's more than just the game on the field. It's all, you got to have your back off the field, too. Care for your teammates with student leadership. Thank you so much for being involved with this conference, too. Uh, how about a service project or something you've done with your teammates or other student athletes at your high school in your community? Uh, we go to, like, elementary schools, so like, spend time with the kids and play basketball and, you know, talk to them about their grades and other stuff. Grades are important. Academics. The kids in elementary schools look up to you as if you are an NFL or an NBA professional athlete. There's no difference to a, to a third grader between you and, and, and an all-pro uh, Major League Baseball player. They love uh, what you bring to the table as far as mentorship. Be a mentor in your community to a small child. They are watching you. Um, get involved with your elementary schools the way this young man has. Let's have a round of applause real quick for this guy. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for volunteering to be on the show. Okay, our next guest is Jordan Christian from Richmond. Oh, another, another, see, Richmond's really carrying the weight here. A lot of student leaders in Richmond. Okay, fantastic. Um, what team are you on? Uh, football and baseball. Football and baseball and a service project that comes to mind that you're proud of? Uh, same as Joel said, uh, we, with the football team, we go to different elementary schools and help out with the kids there. And just, uh, honestly, what we do, we really just kind of just get to know them and read with them and be in their classroom and know their setting. Well, let me turn the tables on you now. Let's pretend you were in third grade. Do you remember uh, a mentor, somebody you looked up to, whether in athletics or not, and what that person meant to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. The football team, I think, was still doing that at that time when I was in elementary. And that, as you said before, we looked at them as if they weren't already in the NFL. So it was, it was definitely something we looked forward to. Okay, and you're 17, 18 now? 16. So you're 16, and you remember... You know, 10 years ago when you were six years old, you remember those guys. You remember what it meant to you. So you got to stop and think, you know, as you grow older and start to get involved with your communities and then have families, remember how little kids and elementary school kids look up to you and what you're doing and that you're setting an example for everybody in your community. Thank you so much. Let's have a round of applause for this young man. All right, that's student leadership at its best, at its finest, community service at the IHSAA Student Leadership Conference. I'm Adam Ritz. Thank you so much for hosting the show. Give yourselves one more last round of applause. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. I'm Adam Ritz. We're in Mackey Stadium on the campus of the University of Nevada with head coach Brian Polian. Hi, coach. How are you? I'm doing well. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we love meeting and talking with head coaches of major division one college football to talk about social issues. And when I think of uh, you and football, I think of fatherhood. Yes. Uh, I met your kids today. And uh, first of all, they're young. How do you like being a father? Oh, it's the best. I mean, it's the best thing people tell you. Um, you know, when you're younger and you don't have kids, they say you don't under, you can't understand it. And you really can't until they're yours and until you come home every night and they don't care if you won or lost. They're just happy to have you home. It's pretty special. Now, we love to get head coaches perspectives on uh, being a father because you're you've got a unique perspective because you're you're a dad to your kids you're a dad to a hundred men on campus here at Nevada as well uh, so you've got a unique perspective on on fatherhood and coaching do they bleed over does being a, a father help you be a coach Oh, there's no doubt, and and it actually worked in reverse order because I was coaching be before I became a father. Uh -huh. um, yeah, there's no doubt. They are very much in college football. They are very much one and the same. Uh, I, I would venture to guess maybe 40 to 50 percent of our team comes from single parent homes. So uh, a strong male figure in the lives of our football players is very important, and it, and it's a role that that we take very very seriously. It is very serious, and one of the, uh, as far as this social awareness show is concerned, uh, a big part of society and how young men maybe don't understand how important it is to be a father. It's the most important job you'll ever have. What is your main philosophy with your kids with being a dad? Well, it's to love them un unconditionally first, and, and although you may get upset with some of their actions, uh, you know, we try to handle everything we do with, with love. Uh, and the other thing is to be honest with them, and sometimes that's not easy. It's not easy to be honest with them, but when you're not honest with them, when you sugarcoat things, uh, you're not teaching. There's no lesson learned, and frankly, we're taking the easy way out when we're not honest with them. So the ability to sit down with a young man and say, listen, um, you know, I love you, but we're about to have an uncomfortable conversation because you need to understand X, Y, Z and, mm -hmm. and how that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. I mean, th those are conversations that you have to have with an 18-year-old, and at some point my own son will be 18, and, and it's no different. Do you remember those uncomfortable conversations with your dad? I do, frankly. <laughs> fr frankly, I was more scared of the uncomfortable conversation than I was, you know, my mother doling out the corporal punishment. But, uh, you know, there's nothing worse as a son than to have your dad say, hey, listen, I love you, but I'm disappointed in yeah. what you did here. And, and, you know, too often I think... Uh, we want to be friends with our children. We want to be friends with the, the kids we coach, and that's, that's not our role. Our, our, they've got their own buddies. We need to help raise them, and sometimes that means you've got to be the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, worth mentioning, uh, Brian Polian, we're talking about f fatherhood and families. We should darn well mention your dad is Bill Polian. Uh, your brother's Chris Polian, and the third brother is Dennis Dennis Polian. It's a football family. Um, how, how are the conversations going around the dinner table when you guys get together, all four of you? Well, it's very frustrating for my mother and my sister because uh, no matter what we talked about, it always kind of leads back to football. But uh, <laughs> Does your mom like football? She does. She does. <laughs> I think, I, you know, she's got she's got my dad at ESPN now, my brother, my older brother with the Jags, my younger brother at the Titans. I'm here. The, the poor woman is living and dying by three different teams right now. So, um, but, uh, you know, I was blessed in the sense that, that uh, not only did I learn the game at the highest level from my best friend and mentor, my dad, but he also proved to me that you can 
compete for Super Bowls, you can win Super Bowls and still be a great dad. People think that there's a sacrifice that has to be made, that, that you're going to neglect your family if you want to win at the highest level. You think about all the coaches that end up divorced. Yeah. Well, the, it, it doesn't have to be that way. My dad is a knock on wood, maybe someday a Hall of Famer, and at the same time, uh, a, a very a devout husband, an unbelievable father, a great grandfather. You can do both, and he showed me that. Well, not as a as a coach or a football administrator or an ESPN broadcaster, but as a dad, what's the most important thing you've learned from your dad, Bill Pullian, being a father now yourself? It, it's it's the unconditional love. I mean, no matter if it was going good, if it was going bad, he'd always hug your neck. And 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 my dad, one of the things I love about my dad is that he's never afraid to tell you he loves you. I mean, when when you see when when I see him now, I, I don't see him as often as I'd like to. You, you know, there's always a a big kiss on the cheek and a strong hug. And, and every time we, we hang up the phone, you know, he, he makes sure to tell you, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. And, and I try very hard to do that with my own children and um, to know that, that every time we talk, uh, I, I'm never going to have to look back and say, boy, I wish I had told him uh, how much I cared for him. I, I'm going to make sure uh, that, that he always knows uh, both my mom and dad how important they are to me. Head coach Brian Polian with the Nevada Wolf Pack. We thank you for your time, uh, and more importantly, we thank you for your perspective uh, on family and fatherhood. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Get to know Adam at adamritz.com. Get to know the radio show at adamritzshow.com. I had the distinct pleasure recently of attending and reporting on the IHSAA State Track Championships in the Unified Sports. It was the Unified Track State Championships. And what Unified Track is, real quick, in Unified Sports, it's uh, been around for about 20 years. It's a registered term, a trademark term, Unified Sports with Special Olympics, the national headquarters of Special Olympics in Washington, D.C., has trademarked the term Unified Sports. This is uh, athletes of all abilities competing together with a common goal. So you have um, high school student athletes, you have uh, student athletes with special needs, special Olympics athletes, all working together on the same team to compete for a championship. And there are only four states in the United States of America that have a sanctioned high school unified track state championship. And the most recent was uh, the IHSAA state championships, which uh, just took place uh, early June. The inaugural event uh, with the trophy going home with the Warsaw High School Tigers, the Tigers of Warsaw, congratulations for that inaugural high school state championship and unified track. And I was uh, proud and happy to gather some interviews, some audios, some conversations with a lot of the members, some of the uh, athletes, and some of the uh, administrators that put the show on. Uh, IHSAA Commissioner Bobby Cox will talk here in a minute about how proud he was of the day. Uh, the Special Olympics Indiana CEO Michael Furnish. Also, Lee Lonzo, who is the director of Champions Together, all joined us uh, for the day with some great interviews, some great conversation. Here's some of the highlights from that day. I'm Adam Ritz on the campus of Indiana University reporting from the inaugural IHSAA Unified Track and Field State Championships. Was this event 
that labor intensive with a lot of effort to plan or was it just smooth sailing because this has been a phenomenal day well any event you plan always has little glitches here and there but you're exactly right adam the 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 folks that work this event uh, worked very diligently on behalf of all the student athletes today. And when you have people working hard in those kinds of environments, good things happen. And so, like I said, this exceeded our expectations, and we're just so happy for all the schools that participated. Today's been great because, you know, everyone's out here. They took a Saturday off to help out this great event, and I'm really happy for everyone. You happy, buddy? Yes. Yeah. This guy is amazing. He comes to practice, he, he does everything, you know, I ask him to do, he, he's a great partner, I'm glad, you know, we finished it out together. You happy, Nathan? Yes. Yeah. This is a new sport, it's a unified sport, we got kids out here both with and without disabilities, and you can't tell the difference between the two. Everybody's just being judged on their ability, and that's what makes this event so awesome. We got a beautiful day, I'm just so excited. Uh, unified track, unified sports, it's uh, Special Olympic athletes and uh, their partners, the uh, Indiana High School Athletic Association athletes competing together to win a state championship. Again, this is a new sport, I guess you'd use the term sanctioned. Uh, by the IHSAA, and it hasn't. There's no not been a new sport since you said 1994. That, that's exactly right. There's 10 sports for boys, 10 sports for girls, and this is the first unified. It's being run as a co-ed, so it's the it's the 21st sport. And I just came from the 10 over there, and there's a big old hunk of walnut that says Unified State Track Championship. We're going to be handing that out in a couple hours to the first ever Unified State Champion. The, the opportunity for these students to be able to represent their high schools. These are students just like regular education students and they have a love for sport and they have a love for their high school and this event now allows them to represent their school and I think if you watch the events today and you saw the fan support, uh, it, it's very rewarding and, and from my perspective um, I'm very humbled. Um, it, it feels like it feels like we kind of made history together, as in uh, um, we're going to always always know each other. I'm not going to forget any of these guys, and I, I hope the same for, for them, too. Michael Furnish, the president and CEO of Special Olympics Indiana, this has got to be uh, just a hallmark day for you. I am uh, here to report that today is the second most important day in Special Olympics in Indiana. The first took place 45 years ago tomorrow which is the first time we ever had a Special Olympics race here in this state. Uh, I've also loved the fact that while this is an IHSAA competition, it has all the feel of Special Olympics. Everybody cheers for each other. Mm -hmm. Who won the race is important, but not as important as the idea that everybody who toes the line today is doing their best. And then as far as making history with this inaugural event, uh, and again, I know it's going to be hard to pinpoint, what was your favorite part of today? My favorite part of today is getting ready to happen right now. I, at, in just a matter of moments, there's going to be a school that's going to be the state champion. And they're going to take the hardware back. They're going to take that pride back. They're going to be state champions for life, just the way people throughout Indiana's history have been proud of those kinds of accomplishments. So unified track, state championships, sanctioned by the IHSAA. Unified sports has been around out here for 20 years, which sounds like a long time. But this has to be, from your perspective in your office, uh, sort of a long haul, a long road to get this accomplished. It's, um, 
it, it, we've always had this day in our mind as we've worked through uh, one season after the next of Special Olympics the way most people know it. Uh, what we see today is the start of just a whole new idea and, and a historic in a real true sense that, that we have athletes with special needs now on teams wearing their school colors, winning points for their school, but most importantly being accepted as a teammate and a member of the school community in ways that will change everybody's life who comes in contact with this program. Honestly, the funnest thing has been the relationships. It's not even, I, I didn't join this team um, specifically to run, you know. I'm, I'm in the 4 by one relay, and that's that's right, that's right. I, I didn't do it just to, you know, do track. I did it to build relationships and to get to know these absolutely beautiful people. Um, that's what it's totally about. That's what this whole experience has been about. Hi, um, my name's Jason. I really had a good time, and I thank you all very much for having us come. Thank you. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are joined now by David Thornton. I'm going to categorize this as um, a story of inspiration. And uh, I, I think there's a whole lot of levels to your story, but I'm going to categorize it as inspiration. We welcome David Thornton to the show. Hi, David. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you. And um, you're a 10-year veteran of the uh, National Football League. You played with the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts linebacker. And the part of your story that just floors me is when you hear about a guy that's played 10 years in the NFL, um, you have this image in your head of a guy that just probably just strolled through college, <laughs> strolled through college football with your eyes closed on – uh, medium speed and still could kill anybody because you are so elite that you made it to the National Football League and played 10 years when most average careers are three years. So that's not really the case here with your college career, was it? Not at all. You know, a lot of people, when you think of a guy who's played in the National Football League for such a long time, you would assume he was probably the superstar athlete in high school, you know, um, full scholarship, superstar athlete in college, maybe a first, second round pick and play for a long time. Mm -hmm. But um, my story isn't the typical route, but I appreciate the route I had to go to um, to reach the, the, the level, I guess, of, of playing the game in a high level. I appreciate the route I had to take. So out of high school, uh, first of all, when did you start playing football? Well, I played in, when I was younger, just younger, following my okay. brothers. I didn't really have a passion for football. That didn't develop until later. But um, I played sports because my older brothers played sports, and I'm um, just kind of just had fun with it, but never really, you know, fell in love with it until college. And uh, in high school, I was well versed in a lot of different things. I, I loved the band. I was actually a drum major in the marching band. Hmm. I played basketball. I was a point guard on the basketball team. I was quarterback and safety in football. Didn't really like it too heavily, and I I was a pitcher in baseball. So I did a lot of things. Yeah. You know, did nothing really extremely well, but just good enough to kind of start and, and just have a really good high school experience. So then, uh, again, I'm going to assume with the rest of America that if you played 10 years in the NFL, you had colleges screaming for you to play college football. Not How was your recruiting going from high school to college? Absolutely no one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was 170 pounds. And I was a pretty good athlete, but I was nothing exceptional, nothing that was screaming, recruit me, recruit me. And so I was okay with that. My heart and my passion was, was for the Tar Heels. I wanted to go to UNC, just get me on the campus. You know, I saw him on TV, and I was a Tar Heel fan, still am to this day. And um, that was a school I had set my affection on, and I wanted to be a student there. 
So I, I did very well academically, and I worked hard, and I applied, and I was fortunate enough to get in. So at North Carolina, the Tar Heels, and you're telling me, really, there wasn't one college that said, come play, even be a drum major, nothing? No schools the, at all, zero. D3, NAIA, nothing? I, I wasn't even in a, an invited walk-on. At some schools, they invite certain players that they see that have a chance. Uh -huh. They'll invite you to walk onto the team. You know, I wasn't even that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now you, uh, you're at North Carolina, and I, I can assume that you walked on the football team. Well, yeah, I first tried out for basketball. A lot of people don't know that I tried out, you know, for the UNC basketball team. At that time, they had Vince Carter, Antoine <laughs> Jameson, Ed Co I, If you If you grew up and you're a Tar Heel fan, you got to at least try out for the team. And that quickly didn't work. I knew I wasn't going to play Tar Heel basketball. Yeah. That team was okay. too loaded. And then in the spring semester is when I tried football. And I went through the intense workout. And uh, just persevered through it, and that's when I was fortunate enough to make the team as a walk-on. Okay, so then uh, again, with that 10-year NFL uh, resume, I'm going to assume that your sophomore year at North Carolina, you earned a scholarship. No, not at all. <laughs> sophomore year, <laughs> sophomore year, I'm just plugging away. You know, the thing about you know what happened, you know, my freshman year, you know, um, I really met some people that would help that was helping me out, you know, adjust to the college lifestyle. You know, early on I was struggling, but I, I got a mentor in my life and he really helped develop me in a lot of ways. He helped me develop in my faith, helped me develop as as a college football player, you know, in the weight room, taking care of my body. And so even though I was just a walk on, not playing in the games, I was finding a sense of peace and fulfillment from just working hard in the weight room and practicing. So um, even though I wasn't playing, not my sophomore year, not my junior year, not even my senior year, I was just serving, serving the team, found a way to you know, make a difference and just work hard and practice. So it, it was four years I was on the Carolina roster and not even playing ball. You're kidding me. Not <laughs> even playing? Not no even. scholarship. No You're scholarship. not playing a senior, a four-year walk-on at North Carolina. At the University of North Carolina, yes, four-year walk-on. And it, and it wasn't that I was, you know, not a good player. Or not a, you know, I, had, I had improved. I gotten bigger, faster, stronger, all those things. But just the way it's designed sometimes, typically schools give scholarship athletes the opportunities first. So I was okay with that. And like I said, you know, I fell in love with not only working out in the weight room and, and practicing hard, I fell in love with the guys on the team, the camaraderie, mm -hmm. the relationships I was building. So even though I wasn't, you know, playing on Saturdays, I still was getting fulfillment and peace just from um, the relationships and serving in the weight room and serving in the practice field. Well, David Thornton is our guest, football player from the University of North Carolina. After four years of walking on and not playing, then there was a, there was a fifth year, like a redshirt year that you could play your fifth year. That's obviously the year you played and you showed the NFL what you had. <laughs> yeah, that fifth year, we actually had a, a coaching change. You know, I like to view that season of my life where – it was a pretty divine intervention going on. We had a new lead, change in leadership, and uh, he came in, and he, want, he declared that he was going to play the best 11 players, no matter who they were, on both sides of the ball. And um, for me, it was, you know, a great opportunity. His name was John Bunny, and um, I knew if he really meant that, you know, I would have a chance to really go out there and showcase what I could do. And so after spring ball, you know, he recognized, you know, my talent, and I had, a, I had done what I had typically been doing for all, of, all those years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gave me a scholarship for that, yeah, that after the spring, spring camp. And um, I got a chance to finally start my fifth year in school. And it wasn't my plan. I had planned on, you know, going to grad school and doing that, going that route. 
But um, I got a chance to finally play that, that, that last year, that fifth year, and I led the team in tackles. I was all-conference, all-ACC, ended up becoming um, defensive MVP, and I was a, you know, awarded the Student Athlete of the Year, Tar Heel Athlete of the Year at UNC. So it was a pretty amazing turnaround in such a short period of time. No, really, short period of time. I mean, as a 17-, 18-year-old kid, nobody in America wants you to come play any sport at all for them. A few years later, you're the – you're all ACC scholarship uh, defensive player of the year for the North Carolina Tar Heels in the ACC. That's amazing. It is. It really is. When I really reflect back on it sometimes, it wows me because I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is a major opportunity that the Lord has blessed me with. And um, I didn't see it coming, but I'm definitely thankful that I had to go through the years of, you know, just grinding and just being patient. You know, a lot of times when I speak to student athletes, guys who are not playing as early as they want to, I always encourage them and remind them that delay is not denial. It doesn't mean that your opportunity won't come. It's just whether or not you have the patience to wait it out and continue to endure and keep working despite not having met your expectations just yet. So, and that's what my story, my story, you know, is really about perseverance. You know, it's about patience. It's about um, just hard work. It's about believing in your goals. You know, it's about knowing who you are and being confident in who you are and just never giving up. You know, that's a big part of, you know, who I am now. That is awesome. Uh, David Thornton is our guest, linebacker, 10 years in the NFL with the Colts and the Titans. And I know it's going to be hard to narrow this question down to one answer, but maybe some of your highlights from your playing days. Let's talk football. Have some fun. What were some of your, uh, I guess, highlights from those 10 years in the league? Well, you know, just, you know, going through the draft process, you know, that was exciting for me because I, I it wasn't in my expectation. But to have an opportunity to go to the combine, you know, the Colts drafted me in the fourth round. And um, to come under such a great system, um, the leadership of Tony Dungy for four years. I tell people all the time, anything you do for four years, that's a degree. Yeah. So I got my degree from Dungy, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so I learned a lot from just being a, a, a player under his system. Um, just watching him as a player, he was a great mentor, a great leader. Um, of course, everyone knows about his faith and his character. And I can attest that it's legit. You know, it's, he is who he says he is. And I, I'm just thankful that I had a chance to just to be under him for four years. And I um, go to Tennessee, and I was five years there with Coach Fisher, who's another solid leader, wonderful coach. And, you know, I had a lot of great games, um, won some awards, and all those things are wonderful. But to me, the most valuable thing I took away from my playing career, you know, is probably the relationships I built with the people along the way. You know, it wasn't the money. You know, it wasn't the big wins. You know, some people measure success by, you know, how much money did you walk away from? And, and of course, provision. You know, my old things are, are benefits that come along with it, and I'm thankful for those things. But uh, the most valuable thing for me was the fact that I had someone that I can call when I needed to. I have brothers that I can lean on to this day, even though I'm not playing, mm -hmm. that, um, that I can be, be a source for me when I need them. You know, the relationships, you know, that, you pulled away, that I pulled away from my experience is by far the most valuable thing. Tony Dungy is, uh, you, you mentioned his character, and yeah, everybody does know about that. And do you still have a chance to, uh, I guess, network with him, talk with him, go to church with him, talk about your faith with him? I mean, is, I got to think he's so busy. He's doing that, the NBC football night in America. His all-pro dad's charity is one of the best successful charities in America. I mean, does he still have time to, to reach out and talk to people from his past? It's unbelievable. You know, as busy as his schedule is, you know, as, as much time he spends, you know, traveling and, you know, touring and speaking and, you know, as 
as much of a, you know, he's all over the map, essentially. He still takes the time to answer the phone if you call him, if he has that type of relationship with you. And that says a lot about him, you know, that he's, I mean, he's, I'm not surprised that he's that way. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone who's in his circle, anyone that he's developed that type of relationship with, you have a friend in him that you can count on for life, you know. And I, I don't talk to him all the time, but without any hesitation, I know if I reach out to him and call him, he's going to answer the phone or call me back in a short period of time. And that's wonderful. We're speaking with David Thornton, who played 10 years in the NFL uh, as a linebacker. And now uh, you still work for the NFL in the player development. You're teaching and educating the younger players of today what you know. It is. It's, a, it's the position that I'm really, really loving. It makes me excited to know that I have an opportunity to come in and serve the team and serve the, the staff and serve the guys in ways that will help. help them transition into the game smoothly and successfully and prepare them to exit the game successfully. We all know that football is a very violent sport, and at some point it's going to fleet away. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a lot of things you have to do while you're playing to prepare for that time. And um, it's it's a position where I can just really, you know, embrace. You know, I lived through player engagement. I served in a lot of ways and got involved with a lot of programs, and it's really a great opportunity for me to just share my experiences from the guys and just really help them throughout the whole process. And your uh, Twitter or your email, I saw in one of your emails you sent me that it, it um, what, what's your, uh, some people write sincerely your best or truly yours. What does yours say again? Uh, on my emails? Yeah. I swear it's on your Twitter bio. I saw it somewhere. Cause live it was, to give? Was it live to it give? It might have been live to give or to serve. Oh, yeah, no question. It yeah. says on your Twitter and yeah. on your email when you sign out, you, yeah. you write to serve. To serve. That's definitely, you know, my, my personal mission, I guess, is I live to give. And that's all about serving others. And, um, and, and everything I do, I love to give. I love to serve. When I played, I played within a rel- rel- with a relentless effort to serve and give to the game, um, to give to the guys that needed me in the locker room, to give to the community, um, just to use the platform that I had been blessed with to give back you know someone did those things for me coming along and uh, I think it's just a wonderful platform not only for myself everyone has a platform you know everyone can find a way to make a difference in someone's life everyone can lend a hand to help someone else the Adam Ritz show is recorded live both in studio and across the country for information on this broadcast including how to hear this show on a station in your city visit adamritzshow.com